This episode of All the President's Minutes is brought to you by bellacatering.com.au. Guys, if you want to support this show, you need to go and catch the great people at Bella Catering on their website and order up. If you're in the Sydney area, order up and cater for any events, any get-togethers, any catch-ups you are now allowed to have face-to-face with your friends and family. And while we're teetering on the edge of what we can and can't have at home, why stress yourself out with cooking? Just let Bella Catering do it. They're the best. They have a great team. They're great people. They're great friends of the show, and they're great friends of mine in my personal life. And uh, I'd appreciate if you check them out. They've been a great support for the show. Now, this is a massive week. We have had revelations in the news. It feels like it's been five news cycles since the last time we talked. We have a massive lineup of guests, and you're going to get these guests thick and fast this week. I cannot wait to share them with you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We also have a Patreon, Patreon forward slash One Heat Minute. Bonus shows, shout outs. But now, let's get to all the president's minutes for this week. My name is Cotton McKnight, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, Pepper Brooks. Pepper. Yeah, Cotton. Hey. Everybody, 32 teams in play. That means four wins is going to get you in the final match with that fifth win getting you the 50K that everyone's chasing. Cotton. Oh, my sweet Jesus. That's rad. And we'll get our first glimpse of the average Joe squad sporting some unwieldy uniforms. I feel like I'm watching a share video, Cotton. Feel it tomorrow, what, God? Right in his beak. Time! Time is out! It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story, turning average Joes into the proverbial pumpkin. I sure do like pumpkins, Cotton. Average Joes wins in a shocking upset. I feel shocked. Now is right in the testicles. Ouch, town population, you, bro. I can't believe it. It's just not believable, Cotton. They are going to the finals to play Globo Gym for $50,000. That'll buy you one heck of a blumpkin. Right you are, Pep. What do you think, Pep? Cotton, hey, I spoke with White Goodman before today's match, and he told me that his team really wants to win this one. Yes, no, I'm being told that Average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. It's all up to Average Joe's youngest member. He's got to make a play here, Pepper. Ah, word, Cotton. I love you. Joni loves Chachi. Two players left on each side. What a match. What a sport. Two positions. Looks like it's gonna be a two-on-one, a menage a trois of pain. Usually you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to witness the greatest happening in sport. Sudden death dodgeball. Pepper needs new shorts. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. Oh my goodness, the 94th minute is upon us. Less than 43 episodes to go. Today, I'm joined by now an actor first, but a primo powerhouse film nerd is how I was introduced to this lovely person. We met as part of a awesome cinephile game night raising money for charity um she has done a lot of those in iso um and particularly for black lives matter movement where she raised over fifty thousand dollars um for mark bernardin's charity um uh, she's well she's an actor she's done it on the stage she's done it on the screen she's now uh, gotten out of the rat race of being a host and back to atlanta which seems to be kind of like people in the southern hemisphere moving to new zealand where there seems to be like way more work that is happening all over so um, making the smart moves there um i got her on the show because uh one particular quote in the middle um of the cinephile game night when one of her fellow uh, teammates tried to knock her out of the game on purpose and she said well cotton that's an interesting strategy we'll just see how it plays out and i'm like that's my kind of person that's exactly my kind of person to come and talk to me on the show um my distinct pleasure to welcome clark wolf to all the president's minutes 
Clock, thanks oh, so much man. for doing this. What a lovely, wonderful intro. If you ever feel bad about yourself, just come on this podcast because just, we, we all need it. We all need oh. our hype men in 2020. Everyone needs a hype man. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. I had no idea that my little dodgeball quote was the thing that put it over here. Look, it's funny because, you know, you would know this from guesting on so many shows and podcasts. And if you get an opportunity to like, you have a lot of fun, you're like, I want to just do something with all those people. Like they were fun. Like if something comes up, I'll, I'll do it. And Cinephile Game Night is such an interesting one, but I'm like looking at all the folk and I'm like anyone who I wasn't really familiar with. I'm like, Oh, I don't know these folk. And you, you do your Googling and like check them out and check out their stuff. Um, and when you said that, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of person <laughs> I want on my show. Like, yeah, I mean, there was, there's, there's lots of people who've come on the show, but I'm like, when I made the list, I'm like, that just absolutely killed me. Um, and you know, a good dodgeball quote really well utilized is, um, exceptional at, at any time of the day or night or any game show or any podcast. It's, it's good stuff. I agree. More, more dodgeball quotes. More dodgeball quotes. I'm, I'm, but I'm bringing you, you know, away from your pretty legendary pop culture, um, uh, you know, and contemporary pop culture knowledge back to 1976, back to Dustin Hoffman's face on a phone call, back to a voice performance, um, and just sort of the the coder of the into the next scene. Um, I'm bringing you back to 1976 and all the presidents' men. Is this a movie that? this year you have watched and have, or, or, or maybe in 2016, did you watch it or in 2017 or and many of the years that Donald Trump is the president of the United States? Yes. So uh, I, I had seen this movie before. Um, I, I hosted, I created and hosted my own podcast called Sending the Wolf for two seasons. And the premise was the guest picks any movie off of any AFI list. So right. it could be the laughs list, the comedy list, the traditional list, like any list, just whatever you want, we can talk about it. And so um, uh, Jacqueline Coley from Rotten Tomatoes yes. picked All the President's Men. And so uh, I watched this movie and recorded it with her last year. It was, I want, and because I'm in Atlanta right now, my, I, I didn't like fully move back to Atlanta. I'm still a California resident. Most of my things are there. So my, my notes, my paper notes, because I, <laughs> Much like a journalist in 1976, I'm all about paper notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. So um, I, I usually, when I'm asked to talk about a, a movie that I've done for the podcast, uh, I pull my old notes out so that I can kind of review them and see like what I thought then yes. versus now. Um, so I have not watched the movie this year, but I did watch it as recently as last year. Uh, or, you know, actually, wait a second. When... Did Black Panther come out in 2018? 2018. 2018. Okay, then I watched it in 2018. Um, and the reason I know this, or I, t I have the timeline, is because uh, when I walked in, the movie had just been in previews, and uh, Jacqueline was like, have you seen Black Panther yet? And I was like, no, I haven't seen it yet. And she was like, girl, and she gave me a Rotten Tomatoes Fandango gift card and was like, it's on me. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So, okay, so it was 2018, and uh, things have gotten so much worse since then. So it's, yeah, this it's was a trip. It's, it's funny is when I was accelerating, like moving into this, I spoke to, you know, friends and, and people when I was building the project and I was like, I, I really want to do it. And I also think that I kind of need to do it in 2020. It's an election year. It feels like the most, you know, if I'm going to do one of these projects, I'd really like to see if I could expedite it and do it in a whole, like as a year, as opposed to multi-year project. And when I do that, it'll surely drum up some great opportunities of things to talk about, you know, and this is like in complete abstraction of what 2019 is like, surely, you know, election year, we'll get some people fired up to talk about politics. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of angst and things like that. It'll create some opportunities for some non film geeky conversations. Like the film geeky conversations are absolutely one thing. And we can dive into the form and dive into the performances and the history and the legacy and all that. And I think on the show, we've done many, many versions of that and will continue to do so. It's like, Oh, I want to talk about history and politics and people getting fired up. And like, I was thinking about it before my whole country was set ablaze um, at the beginning, <laughs> like the end of last yes, year. And absolutely. it just, it just rolled from fire to, to like, you know, already the economic concern of that and then straight into COVID. And it's like, every single day we're now recording this and like it is pretty much we're going to record and people are going to hear it in the next few days. We're recording it on the 9th of September, Australia time, 8th um, um, uh, US time. And it's like, 
every day that we've gotten closer to this thing, it gets crazier. Like this morning, I'm scrolling through Twitter, the doom scroll, and Trump's current uh, political advisor, like actually, you know, talks about, she's, she called Joe Biden, Obama Biden, like has been talking about the vaccine. And I'm like, what universe is this? Like, when did yeah. I just wake up? What is going on? It's, uh, it's, it's really dark. It's dark. Like, and, you know, the thing that's interesting is, especially with respect to the movie, uh, you know, <laughs> the inevitable movie that is made about this time. No, the movie All the President's <laughs> Men. Um, what, what's interesting about that to me is that uh, I didn't realize until I rewatched this movie for my podcast um, that Nixon was reelected. The timeline, yeah. you know, and, and thinking about that in 2018, we were two years in or two years since the Trump, you know, the election, I guess. Um, so it wasn't a full two years, but still you're thinking like, man, this is terrible. <clears throat> Kids in cages, um, you know, just the blatant corruption. I don't even think you, Ukraine wasn't even on the tape. That was, that isn't even on a table yet. That was like a year away. And you think, wow, there's, how could this guy get reelected? And then you look at the history and you go, oh, Nixon totally reelected. Yeah. And also on top of that, um, the, the, my favorite line, line that stands out to me every time I watch this movie is uh, their editor saying 50% of the country doesn't even know what Watergate is. Yeah. And we like look at that in, in retrospect, but you just go, how do you not know this? And, and it, I, that's just still wild to me The you know, the, the division. And, and what's even crazier is you think of, it's not only that he is reelected, it is that he is certain. Like in that same dial, in that same conversation, 51% of the people in the country haven't heard about Watergate. Nixon's going to get reelected. Like it's going to be a landslide. It's a, like all these cynical journalists who've actually seen it and been on the political beat for a long time are like, we're, we've been on the road. It's, it's Nixon or nothing. Like the Democrats are in chaos. There's been... Yes you know, um, all of, all of their, you know, leadership squabbling and then, you know, vice presidential candidates being found out to have had electroshock therapy and then that getting spread to the media and just like the, like things that are unfathomable that seem like you would have made them up in a bad comedy about politics that literally happened. And yeah, that's what strikes me is like, Oh, and, and, and that really cuts through when I think about it for our chat is it doesn't matter how certain things is like things are for these people. It's like the manipulation and the power and the certainty, like it can't, there can't even be 1% that they're not sure that they're going to do it. They have to keep digging. And it's like, I don't get it. Like it's you're winning. You're winning on every front. Even if people disagree with you, you're still a diplomat. You still got runs on the board. You're still saying beautiful florid speeches when America makes it, you know, makes the moon landing and, and, you know, doing first diplomacy with China, communist China and all those sorts of things, despite all of the hangover of the Vietnam war and all those other bad things is like, he's trying, he's got a sort of dueling publicity. Um, but, but still that. And so then when you reflect now, it's like, Oh, when you're behind in the polls and you, you're extremely divisive and you're constantly having to put out fires for factual inaccuracies. Do we think that that person might be doing politically uh, political malfeasance might be on the table. Yes. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, and I think, you know, I was listening to your episode with uh, Meg Shields um, before, you know, we started recording and, yeah. and I know you guys talked about the, um, the tapes, uh, yes. which, you know, the, the Nixon tapes and with respect to the scandal. And what's so interesting to me, especially thinking about the information in all the president's men and with respect to the Washington Post and uh, and the, the Watergate scandal is like, it's so out in the open. Yeah. Everything now, currently, 2020 in American politics, it's like, I don't even think you need the tapes. <laughs> no. It's just like, it's like, no, 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 we know you're doing this. It's like, it doesn't, no, I'm, no, I didn't. <laughs> okay, no, no, I didn't. No, you didn't. No, that's partisan, fake news, uh, you know, alternate facts. And, um, and that's, that's bias. And no, no, we didn't. And then it turns into, well, even if he did, here's why it's not a big deal. And you're just yeah. like, <laughs> uh, and you're like, uh, can we just go to the, can we roll the tape? Like, you know, speaking from an actor and host, right. let's just roll the tape. <clears throat> Excuse and, me. And you, and you know that if they did roll the tape, like he would sit there and go, no, I, no. You did not like it is it is it has gotten so um 
so beyond my, I can't, I really struggle to wrap my brain around the America right now. Uh, It is a, it is such a dark and um, I've used that word a lot, a lot, but it's true. It's a dark and it is a unbelievable time. Yeah. Um, And I understand that I'm speaking as a, as a, a, you know, a cis, you know, straight white woman um, so that there's, I'm sure some things that are happening in America right now that are not, you know, mind blowing to, to anybody. But to me, the, the willing ignorance of, of the American people and the, the, you know, abundance of information for some people, the lack of information for other, we're talking about access, you know, Uh, and then the inability to discern uh, fact and fiction and the willingness to buy into um, conspiracy theories. Like I love a good true crime podcast. I love a good (laughs) big story. Like I'm here for some conspiracy (laughs) theories, but like, man, it is so, um, I, I what are the what are the murderinos call it? Is it Yeti truthers? <laughs> I think if that's what I think that one of my dear friends has got a Yeti truther sweatshirt, and I, I was like, I didn't I didn't know the reference. I was like, I really like that shirt. I don't know anything about that show, but I really like it. I, I like so that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, that, it's we've all got um, a little look. We've all got a whisker of Fox Mulder. Like we all want to believe a silly conspiracy, and 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 then sometimes there are the big conspiracies, which you know we, we kind of know that. The, the breakthrough, the the popular um, consciousness, which is like, oh well, you know, Watergate is a conspiracy, you know, and and you know, the Kennedy assassination. Whilst people, you know, while while certain documents haven't been released, even though they've been promised to be released, that will like prove things. People are like, yeah, it's a conspiracy. Like that's what it is, and people get off on those things. I get that, but no, I, I think you make a really good point of like, um, and 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 it's not just happening in. It's not just happening in the States, it's happening in Australia. One of the states in Oz right now, Victoria, and at like our capital city in Melbourne, which is, a, you know, a big arts community and, um, you know, like a huge cultural hub for the country and like our second most populated state have gone through this crazy lockdown period that they went through for like, I think it's like six to eight weeks or even 10 weeks. It's been a long time yeah. and really significant lockdowns, but they went up to like really you know, their numbers on a daily basis nearly eclipsed a thousand a day, thousand cases a day for a small state or a small country. Like they, they contributed to this large amount. And there was a conservative commentator going, look in, in Italy, you know, they only had a lockdown of this. They had a 10 week lockdown and look, they had, they had a million people die or something. And then he's like, and in, and in this other country, they had a million and look, and we've only had like a hundred and it's like, yeah, you just, you just made the point is that they just, they were more proactive in the lockdown and now less people are dead. Like, congratulations. You just right. made the point for the people who actually care. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's the thing. Every time I talk to folks like such as yourself in the States um, and especially you, that I wanted to pick your brain on like traveling interstate and seeing the cross section of America now, like, of you know, going across. And so I just think like state by state, you know, county by county, all these, like this, this bickering about what consistency should be. It just feels like, it feels like you could be having a completely different world experience state by state, county by county at the moment. Let, let me tell you, you're a hundred percent correct. So, um, this, this is, so, uh, I was on a show called DC daily, which is DC comics show. Yes. And, uh, we found out we were canceled in June. Right. And so yeah. we, um, we taped our last episode in the end of June. And then I decided I had been thinking about relocating to Atlanta temporarily during this lockdown. Um, but that was the thing that kind of made the decision for me. Yes. And, uh, and so, but I bring that up because California had very strict lockdown procedures. Uh, you know, Gavin Newsom is giving very thorough press conferences regularly. Um, you know, we, we, I feel like if you are paying attention, if you choose to pay attention, then the resources and information in California are there. They also have a lot of businesses are still closed. And, you know, there, there's a, there's a culture of like, at least with my friends, I know it's different, you know, California is also where all those moron TikTokers are doing. <laughs> so like, I, you know, it's there, not a perfect there's a, there's a new TikTok house that pops up and there's like all these cool videos <laughs> and the next week they're all in hospital because they're all got COVID-19. Exactly. Yeah. 
but amongst amongst the people I know, the 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 culture is really and truly like we do wear our masks. We do shame our friends if our friends post inappropriate photos on social media. We the people I know and love are taking it very seriously. I bring that up because when I was contemplating going to Atlanta while DC, while my show was still, you know, in production, I had heard whispers that maybe we would be going back into physical production. So I asked one of the producers who, who I felt close to, like, here's what I'm thinking. Do you think we're going to be remote for a while or do you think we'll be going back in studio? And she essentially was like, the, what we would need to do to fulfill guidelines. And keep in mind, this was a non-union show. To fulfill <laughs> the guidelines, it would be impossible for us to do. So no, we will be shooting remotely. I, bring, I say all of that because Georgia, as people who watch the entertainment industry know, there is so much that shoots here. Netflix, Marvel, The CW, like so many films and, and television shows. And the governor is Brian Kemp, who absolutely stole the election from Stacey Abrams, uh, which, was a, which is a horrifying uh, political story if you ever care to feel more depressed, if you're not familiar, <laughs> your listeners are not familiar with it. Um, but uh, I'm from Georgia originally. So yeah. like I follow Georgia politics pretty closely. And Brian Kemp shut everything down for a few weeks, but then he let it open right back up and essentially was like, all right, it's on you guys now. And you can sit inside and eat and you can. And meanwhile, when I got here, so right after the fourth, Georgia was leading the country in cases. Yeah. Um, and, and yet things are open and you can go bowling and you can go to a hair salon and you can get your nails. Done. It's just so, so I, the context is I knew that production would come back up here. Yeah so much faster than it would ever come back up in California. And that yeah. makes me sad because if Stacey Abrams was the governor of Georgia, which she should have been because Brian <laughs> Kemp absolutely cheated and it is like not a secret that he cheated. Um, she's the rightful governor of Georgia. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have made the move because I would know that Stacey Abrams would have the state you know, kind of locked, locked down. down. Yeah. Gavin Newsom does. So it's wild, man. It's wild. It's, it's just a wild time. And, and I think that if there's one thing, like I never thought that this show could be a time capsule for this year. Like, you know, I never, I never thought that it would be, but it's just a, it's a fascinating talk of like people thinking about what it might mean and then what it actually means across, uh, across this entire thing. But it's, and, and what's crazy is, in Oz, that's what happened. Like we had a lot, a tightish lockdown. It, it, it all sort of started to open back up and then just like, literally if it, you know, like you said, if you've got an interest in like looking how an election was stolen, if you want to have a bit of a chuckle, there was a, there was a nightclub bouncer who was a super spreader in Victoria, who was like shagging all of the patrons and like, like, was directly responsible for like hundreds of cases in Melbourne. Oh like this God. one guy, like who was like standing out the front uh, as a security guard and then like taking the numbers of patrons and then shagging them. And so there's some real fun stories if you want to laugh about the lighter side of COVID-19 pandemics. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's look, it's a freaking strange and crazy time. So I'm going to, I'm going to fast forward us. I'm going to go back to the future if you like yes. and go. Let's do it. To 1976, we're in the middle of a call between John Mitchell, who's the former Attorney General of the United States, who you never see, you just hear a voice uh, in a movie with so many great voice performances. We dive in in Hoffman's speech to him literally the second after he's announced to him what the Washington Post will be printing. Um, in my last episode, talking to David Sims, the great uh, critic at The Atlantic, he talked about he loves journalism dirty tricks in this movie because they don't they don't hide them and a dirty trick is literally we are going to print in 20 in like 20 minutes here's a fully formed story i've worked for five weeks on i need you to have a comment while you're half asleep um and it kind of is brilliant because it takes people in power off guard in this sense so let's um clark and i watch it right now we're gonna watch together we're gonna come back and chat about it and unpack it for you in just a moment fun that was used to gather information about the democrats according to Sources involved in the Watergate investigation. Jesus. 
Beginning in the spring of 1971, almost a year before he left the Justice Department to become President Nixon's campaign manager, on March 1, Mitchell personally approved withdrawals from the fund. All that crap! You putting it in the paper? Well... Look, it's all been denied. You tell your publisher, tell Katie Graves she's gonna get a tit caught in the big ring if that's published. Good Christ, that's the most sickening thing I ever heard. Sir, I just wonder if I could ask you some questions. What time is it? It's 11.30, sir. 11.30? Morning or night? It's 11.30 at night, sir. Oh. Sir, the committee to re-elect has issued a statement to our story, but there are just a couple questions. Did the committee tell you to go ahead and publish the story? You fellas got a great ball game going. As soon as you're done, we're going to do a story on all of you. Love that. Such a great line to end that segment on. So, so, some, some minutes feel like they're just, they are perfect little gifts that they open perfectly and then they close perfectly. Like this is exactly what we had intended for this 60 seconds that one day yes. some idiot in Australia would be going through and talking about them <laughs> minute by minute. Um, but no, I, I love this. I, I can't get enough of really good voice acting on the phones, like and using a phone call and not having the inclination. It seems like a really contemporary thing of like, you have to cut back to that person. Like it can't just be the experience of a person taking the phone call. Um, but yeah, I love this in this scene. And especially, you know, we've, we've heard about John, you know, John Mitchell in the bookkeeper scene. Um, but hearing his voice and hearing him talk about Kay Graham getting a titty caught in a ringer and then especially yep. saying, did the committee tell you to run with this story? There's like a malevolence that happens in this scene. I love what do, what do you like about it? Clark? Yeah. There, there, the biggest line that stood out to me was it's all been denied. Yeah. Um, because once again, <laughs> it's like, it's like this with, with, with people in power, but more specifically, usually male politicians, this idea of, well, I told you what the truth, I told you, I said it, therefore it's true. What I just said is true. And yes. him so forcefully saying, well, this has been denied. Why do I have to deal with this anymore? Is like, because you're lying. <laughs> You're lying. I love that. I love that so much. It's so obvious. It's so right in front of you. You don't even put it together until you actually unpack it. It's like, it's all been denied. That doesn't mean that wasn't all a lie. Like, like just to clarify that denial is false. We can clearly see it's a lie. We are clarifying, you know, it's that whole funny thing with that great Jonathan Swan Axios interview that like got lots of traction like a few, you know, a few weeks ago or a month ago now of like basic follow-up questions. Well, it's all been denied. Let's stop for a second. What you denied was this. Well, we have other sources that say that that denial is false. So therefore you either knowingly lied or, you know, just like, yeah. but, but here Bernstein hangs him on a hook and just keeps doesn't bite at any of that. Like at it's all been denied, especially nothing and just manically scribbling notes. You can hear his pen scraping, scratching paper so furiously. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, I love that. It, that seems like, that seems like the most 2020 thing. It's all been denied. Like as a, as a way to answer the question. Yeah, that's right. We know, we know that's it's right. all been denied. That's why we're talking. Yeah, it's uh, I, this also reminded me of right now, and I don't know what his, um, you know, I, I try not to imagine that America is the center of the universe, but I, I don't know if the story, I believe it was in the Atlantic about Trump calling, you know, disparaging the military. Yes. Um, okay, so that's kind of made its way elsewhere. Oh, it's, it's um, the Atlantic story. I think, and you guys see it live and obviously being into the show, I think like I'm more, maybe more dialed in now with like different political reporters and, and publications and things like that. So in my timeline, it was a storm of the Atlantic story is here. Then it was, they've got unnamed sources and <clears throat> a lot of the big journalistic organizations who are pretty even keel were like, so what if they're unnamed sources? Like they've got verification on multiple unnamed sources that this happened. And then on the, what is basically, you know, the, the Fox News propaganda machine were like, well, they've got unnamed sources, so it's all false. And then it felt really quick within like six to eight hours. It was like, no, we actually have names and yeah. they're going on the record now because they, they want to make this really clear. 
Um, and so it immediately cut through and, and then there started to be like even things, you know, I spoke about in the last episode that I recorded with David Sims. I just said like, there's a comedian named Tim Dillon um, who I'm not sure if people have heard of it, but if, if you do, I, I kind of like him. He's, you're either going to love him or hate him. But one of the things that he said in his show, he's like, people shouldn't be, especially Trump supporters shouldn't be surprised that Trump doesn't get people who have a calling. Oh, like no. someone like someone like you, who's an actor or performer, it's like, you're doing this because you have a calling. It's not because of money because right. money, money is not guaranteed in the like decades of grinding and doing bits and pieces and living on friends' couches and like comedians. That's his life. He goes, I did for a decade. I slept on couches. I was broke. I had no money. I've m- made it to this show, been able to market myself. I'm like a needle in a haystack. He's like, do you expect that Donald Trump, a rich kid, an heir to a fortune would ever get that people had a patriotic calling to do something that wasn't about money. No, of course not. And so like, but it's also like, you know, people who are effusively are uh, in defense of him, I guess is what he was saying. It's like, you don't know the guy that you voted for. If you think that, if you think that he understands people have a calling, so we shouldn't yeah. be surprised, but it's not, it's, it's obviously bad. It's obviously bad, but it's like also, this guy's behavior, it's not like this guy has been like a star pupil as a president. And then suddenly he said something that's disparaging about the military, which would immediately put people on the defensive of like, no, he wouldn't, he couldn't have said that. It's like, no, this is the guy. He would not get people doing things for no money. He just wouldn't like, that's his whole life. The whole concept of service in America has become completely uh, forgotten and um you know the idea like our elected officials are public servants yeah the idea you know you, that's what, that's what yeah. they are you know that's what they're called i'm sorry i'm, um, I'm, I'm sorry to, sorry to clarify but public servants is what you're meant to be doing I, exactly and i am not naive that you know obviously money and politics and power and all of that corrupts but you know to me I, I do think that if you, so I will also say I grew up in a house that was very politically educated and aware. Um, and, and so I've always been interested in politics since I was a kid. Um, and so this is not new for me, uh, in, in a lot of ways. However, it's just this idea of people running for office to become famous. You know, there, there are a couple of very despicable people who are running for office currently or have in the last five years. And I'm not even talking about Trump, um, who you're like, you're not running because you want to make the country better. You're not running because you want to help some improve somebody's life. And there in it's like every time I go back and watch Parks and Recreation and you watch and it reminds me of like, oh, that's right. Like, and I understand it's a fantasy in some ways and it's naive, but also it's not completely yeah. because Parks and Recreation takes place in a small town, not in Washington, DC. And you know, I just think that. I think that it is it is the best of what we can be. It is the best of what American democracy could be. Again, I don't want to pretend that I am naive to the idea of like all the problems with America because there are a lot. But but I just don't buy into and maybe that's because, you know, I am a Democrat. I am liberal and I have been since I was a kid, but I believe in making it making this country a better place for all of us, you know, and I, I believe in that, that there, there are most of the, and I don't believe this is even a partisan thing to say. I think that the Republican party would agree. They don't believe in government. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. the fundamental. And I was having a conversation with somebody recently who my friend's husband, who's a, you know, he says he's an independent, but he's not. Um, and uh, and he was like, yeah, well, you know, uh, shocking that uh, the uh, post office isn't, uh, you know, a profitable uh, service or whatever. And I and he was like, you know, when has the government ever been good at running this? And I was like, well, actually, you know, the idea is that if we all believed that the government could be better and could function better and did, did exist to make people's lives better, it will work better. So yeah. there, I, you, I fundamentally reject what you're saying. That's cynical. That's cynical, and it's 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 just comes from a place that is so false. Um, but anyway, it's 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 uh, no. Uh, one thing I want to tack onto there, and this is um, about both of our growing up. Is I remember asking. I remember being a kid. I don't know if I. I definitely never told this story on this show. So here we go. Ooh. Um, 
I remember being a kid and asking my dad who he voted for and he wouldn't tell me. And I was like, in Australia, there's this weird, because it's compulsory to vote in our country. Yes. It's a, a, like a sort of hangover of like British politics is that you, you register to vote and when you're 18, you must vote. So your yes. vote is something. Um, and, you know, some people do garbage votes. They just, you know, vote for whatever, you know, they vote for the, the fisheries party or the legalized marijuana party or whatever, like people who are not going to get elected, whose votes are eventually funneled to the two parties that are in power, et cetera. But I remember asking him and then he didn't say it. And so my political awareness and engagement was not from like, you know, even though our family was like a working class, like union, you know, union liking more liberal slash progressive family. Like we'd had Irish roots and, and so it was like, it felt more like a trade union is more like where we're, you know, we're more aligned to that um, as opposed to, you know, just pure cap, like blind capitalism. But he just didn't talk about it. So like my awareness then became like later of like politics and even, you know, throughout my whole life, there's, I've seen it a lot in corporate um, scenarios, but like even in our, my state government here is they have like four of these different departments that we're all kind of doing similar stuff for all the same people, like all the people of this state. And they went, why do we have four buildings and four systems and four things and four shop fronts that do almost all the same shit? It just took people to think like in a contemporary sense of like, how do we use technology to actually make it better for people and easier for people to do stuff and to innovate and to spend less money. Oh, you do it. And it's like, literally it's the same as any company. Like some people like, like it easy and lazy and BS and others like push the boundaries. It's like, it, it, you can, you can totally have progress. Um, I think it's, I think it's different, but yeah, it, it is a, I don't know. It's, it's the, I think that like um, there's, there's kind of a lie that I think people have told themselves of, if you vote and, and maybe this is what kind of helped to trick because ultimately like all the a hell of a lot of stuff that Trump promised the people who, who voted for him that he was going to do that they actually maybe wanted, you know, stricter border controls and, you know, uh, especially things like stricter border controls for some people and regulating wall street was a huge one for a lot of, you know, fiscally minded Republicans. He just didn't do any of that. Just complete lied. But I think that some of the lie is that you have to vote for the candidate that you think is going to, actually do the things that they're promising or the things that you're most personally aligned to. But the thing is, that's never the truth. You're just going with what you are most aligned to because that's what you should do. And like that in the most perfect world, it's like you might vote across different party lines, depending on whose campaign and who's what, what people say that their policy is going to be, that is going to have progress in the country. You could go, you know what, conceivably I might vote for this person. I would never usually have voted for that kind of thing, but I like their policy on this and I'm going to go for it. And it just feels like that's the lie. Cause people are like, Oh, I don't really like Biden. And it's like, it, the thing I keep seeing over in Australia is this guy's campaigning about improving the American garbage fire that he set a light and poured gasoline on. That your audience cannot see me, but this is the thing that makes me want to, ex you know, the gif of the, of anger from inside out that where his just yes. his head explodes and yes. he screams. It's either that or it's uh, flames on the side of my face. Oh my God. I this is the thing that is the, 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 the Trump student Republicans for Trump tweeted a photo of Donald Trump on in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And the caption was, and I looked it up. It was not fake. This is a real Twitter account, not a parody account. <laughs> Donald, Trump, Donald Trump tours the wreckage of what would be in Joe Biden's America. And I was like, this is beyond... It's beyond. This is beyond. Joe Biden is not the president. It's exactly what you just said. Hire me uh, again to put out the fire that I started. Yeah. It is. It is. It is the mental gymnastics required is uh, astonishing. It is yeah. astonishing. And you know, there's. A, I've talked about Amy Poehler a lot indirectly on this, but there's a quote that she said in, uh, they, they bring, it's a story in Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants. And it's a story of um, her at the, at, in SNL's writer's room. And Amy says, Jimmy Fallon made a joke and he goes, oh, I don't like it. And she turns around and she goes, I don't fucking care if you 
it. <laughs> and uh, and she was not kidding. Uh, she and I I I love this that anecdote, but I bring that up because if anybody says to any American who's trying to decide who to vote says, "I don't really like Biden." I don't fucking care if you don't like Biden. Yeah. You have a choice. This is my thing because you were talking about how in it sounds like in in Australian politics if you vote for like um not a main party do and and the per- people don't win do they have to funnel their votes to the main yes, parties yes so yes this, this very is, similar it, that is that is i wish we did that because we don't do that if you vote for, we, we are supposed to be a two-party system, and yet the Green Party and the Independent Party, those are literally throwing your vote away. Yeah. I, I wish that they had to give their votes to, you know, but... Because eventually what happens is they have... A, um, so if... And it's happened a couple of times when we've had like minority governments. I think New Zealand had one as well, mm. like for, for in fairly recent history too. And basically what it is, is like it will go... Your votes will go to an independent. And then ultimately if it looks like you know, the two parties are like, I don't know, like 48% or like teetering on like 40% each. And then there's a big independent thing. It's like, who will they take their votes with? Because then mm, if sure. And, and then what happens is there's a negotiation. Look, our policies align more. We'll put more of your people on our cabinet. We'll make a minority government. That's what happens. And then they have to make the call. Um, and so like, for example, the more progressive things like the greens here, which is, you know, about, uh-huh. you know, climate change and stuff like that. They've, they've held the swing of power and usually sided with the more like, I know it's so dumb Australia. Our Liberal Party is actually our Conservative Party. Our Labor Party is our Liberal Party or Democratic okay. Party. It's so fucking okay. dumb. But anyway, <laughs> so let's just say Conservative um, versus Liberal in that sense. But like, yeah, sure. there's been a couple of those in state in, in and in national governments where things have gone like that, where it hasn't, where there's been a bit of a, a split. But they, they do ultimately have to, they can form a minority government in our country. That's what it's called. So I, I guess my, yeah, that is so interesting. And by the way, I want to make it clear for like anybody who's listening. I am not a, even really a crazy advocate of the, you know, American two party system. I oftentimes wish that there were other options, but the fact of the matter is in America, a Republican or a Democrat is going to win whatever, uh, you know, with most elections. Right. And so to me, that's where I don't care if you like it comes in. The, 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 these, these are your choices. These are your choices. And if you care, if you say, I don't like the dumpster fire and authoritarian, creeping authoritarianism that is happening in the United States of America right now, then your choice is to vote for Joe Biden. That is like your choice or yeah. to not vote at all. But I don't like this idea of, I don't like him, so I'm not going to. It's like, that's shame on you shame on you that's what i say shame on you yeah it's 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 also you know um even i think it was like noam chonsky recently came out and it's like look biden is actually you know he wrote a great piece about like biden being a radical candidate and he's like not because of his politics but because of his policy because he's got a party that has a spectrum of policy that seems to be more radical as far as, you know, those, those things than other versions of the party. And it's like, that's the, and, and you know, that's where I was talking about and sort of referencing some of his uh, articulation of like, you're not voting for, you're ultimately not voting for an individual you think that can move the dial. You're voting for the kind of policy. And I think that that's the lie that like the celebrity you know, leader of a country tells you is that like, he's the guy who's doing anything. In fact, the reason he hasn't been indicted so far is that he's given direct orders to public servants and they've said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going to like (laughs) tell someone, (laughs) excuse me, to spy on someone or do that. It's like, no, you can't do that. And so that's like literally one of the only reasons he hasn't been indicted to this point, but you know, it's, and, 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 and even just great, you know, we both have great Twitter, but like someone was like, if you have a convention where, you know, six or seven of your speakers all share your last name, it feels a little bit more like North Korea than it feels Ah. like America. And I'm like, yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's really not great. Um, Speaking of to, to uh, it kind of connects to what you're just saying. And it brings us to our clip again. Uh, This clip also with the, because this, you know, John Mitchell and the, the role of the attorney general, Yes. As something that has weighed a lot on me as I've been reexamining this movie because uh, Bill Barr is a nightmare. He is a bought and paid for 
loyalist nightmare. He and and this is what scares me, you know, because because the people who are doing and you know John Mitchell clearly doing some dirty work for Nixon, <laughs> yes. obviously, you know. Yes. So it's not to say that Bill Barr invented being the worst, but he's definitely taking it to a level that is frightening. And I don't use that word uh, to be funny or to be flip. I mean, I, I am truly. I don't know if you saw the, oh, you're just waking up, so maybe not. But the Washington Post, funny enough, just put out um, a piece where they weighed likely scenarios about what will happen in the midst of the uh, American election. There were four, I think, likely scenarios, and they brought in uh, people from Democratic Party and Republican Party, advisors, people involved in campaigns, and they played out they did, they did kind of like RPGs. They did like yeah. what they think is going to happen if Biden wins in a landslide. Just as an incidental, what a shitty RPG. Like, oh, really, the worst. Like, like, like <laughs> at least in like a cool RPG, you know, it can be chaos and society ending, but there's monsters or there's something. There's no spells. Cool. There's no swords. Nope. Nope. There's, nope. there's just virus and death, but without any <laughs> of the... Yeah, any of the fantastical trimmings, but yeah, sorry, yeah. you were saying the the no, four but, likely scenarios. Yeah, and so it's like basically, if Biden wins in a landslide, that will probably yield the most peaceful outcome, but there will still be turmoil. The other scenarios: Biden wins the popular vote, loses the electoral college, um, a slim margin for you know Trump or Biden, or um, it, it, the election taking. We don't know who the president is on election night, which, by the way, vote by mail. We won't. We won't know. And yeah. and a lot of journalists have been uh, and, and, and pundits have been encouraging the mainstream news media to start educating your voters or I'm sorry, your audience and let them know we likely will not know who the president president is. And all this stuff about if Biden concedes too fast or if Trump refuses to concede. And frankly, it ended with um, basically Trump not leaving office and uh, the argument, the, the Trumpist, uh, you know, way of, of tweeting Joe Biden's sick. He's a, you know, he, he it, it just was these, all these likely perfectly written scenarios that I was like, yeah, this actually and and all of them end with that. All all of the men with the someone not leaving the office, and that's the 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 thing that I've just seen remotely is you know a lot of a lot of states very luckily are doing like mail in voting right now. So it's just like guys, just vote now. Like like do yeah. it as early like so that they can actually be pre tallying. You know that that they can do pre counts of what's there and start to give indicative numbers. And you know if if whole states like hundreds of thousands or even you know a million people in a state of like sending mail-in votes like in mail-in ballots it's like they can check them and start verifying them now right. like you know that's the other crazy thing is in australia we have a there is when you call an election for the national election you have like i think it's it used to be two weeks but now it might be three you have three weeks of campaigning yes three yes. weeks that, do like is it like that in England too? I think where, it might be in England as well. I'm not as familiar with England, but yeah, it's like yeah. it's like it's like three weeks you have though. You've got like yes. you they'll call it, they say the date of the election. It's usually three weeks in advance. We're calling an election, done. You get flooded with political ads, pundits, a couple of debates, etc. But it's all in this very big concentrated dose. The media goes through their crazy cycle. Um, we have a lot of abs, you know, there can be absentee votes because, you know, for example, if you've moved from like one suburb in Sydney to the other and you go to your local, you know, whether it's like a local church or a school or something to do it, they're like, you're not on our list. Okay. I do an absentee vote. And so you do that and they, they tally it up. And usually it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward for people to, you know, know who's won that night. And sometimes the next morning, if there's a minority government split or something like that, but it's unconscionable for me to have this much of a run up. Like we're in September. All right, we'll start sending them in. If the election's in November, you've got two months. You're going to have, you're going to have two months of counting data and you can, you can even like go last year, we had 30% of the country, wherever that's hundred million people who voted. So if it's if hundred million people voted and you've already got in like 50 million ballots, you can say we have 50%, we have a projection right. of about 50% of what the vote is. Like I don't understand personally and like you and I who've produced things, I'm like, you've got three months. How hard is it to like 
a, a three-month deadline is not like an overnight deadline, especially I'm, when mail-in's coming in. It's horrifying to say, but the answer to that question is it's not hard. Yeah. Half of the country's governments don't want them to vote. Yes. That's the thing. We make it as difficult as possible to vote. Yes. That and and we're talking about, you know, I'm sh- I'm not telling anybody anything, but between voter ID laws and voter purges and needing post, you know, for low income folks who need postage to put on their envelopes to mail it in. Obviously, the USPS is a train wreck right now. Yeah. Like it's this is and so what a lot of grassroots organizers are doing i'm actually participating in a postcard writing campaign right now here in georgia that a lady started on her own but there are national you know organizations who are encouraging encouraging people to do letter writing and postcard writing as well but um but we are uh writing postcards to georgia voters telling them when early voting starts to make their plan now their last day to register is this day. Like, you know, and, and also please vote Democrat, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, but, but yeah, there are a lot of grassroots organ, but, but I don't, it's so hard because yeah, I agree with you. If we decided we wanted to make it easy, we could make it easy. The problem is we've decided or portions of this country have decided they want to make it hard. And um, it's sad. It's really sad. I think if we can come back to movies, it's like, if we, yeah. if I've learned one thing to move from movies and even like as far back as the civil war movies about the civil war, you could be in a trench writing to your sweetheart back home <laughs> yeah. and give it to a guy covered in mud and blood on a fucking horse. Yep. And that would somehow get to that sweetheart. That was the USPS. Isn't it? Have you seen that tweet that's going around that Kevin Costner, uh, between the Postman and Waterworld, his two biggest flops? <laughs> we we all got it very wrong because yeah. he predicted the future essentially. He was yeah, just like, ahead of his time. Yeah, Costner's like, hey, look, I really love Mad Max: The Road Warrior, but we need to do one on <laughs> water when the world melts. Like, as number that's number one, um, as as the first protocol, and then the yeah, the second one is like you know people being able to disseminate information in a world where all the technology is dead actually man pretty spot on but you know like he he he, definitely worth a revisit but that's what i that's what i foundationally don't understand is like in in contemporary times especially like uh, definitely you know mail has had to go insane right now like physically ordering things couriers like home deliveries for food all those sorts of things in covid so for me it's like this is the time where you have actually bolstered you've actually pumped up what your local mail carriers could do. So saying that it doesn't work in a time where we've all been home for five months and all we've been able to do is get shit delivered in the mail seems pretty crazy. Like I, I don't know about you, but maybe it's at certain threads of lists I follow on Twitter. It's like, there's always some weird Amazon drone that's fucking dropping a package into people's houses. And like things can happen. It just seems crazy. And so like, you know, I think it all, I think we've looked at, looked at the contemporary time, like through this minute in that, like it's, it, it is all about spin and not having to address what the actual problem is. It's that we've denied that we've even participated in this and that it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the facts of the matter it is. It matters what our position on those facts is. Um, and, and, and that's what's, you know, that's, I think is what's still anchoring this movie to feel like it's in reality as opposed to fantasy, because like, it feels like after every, I think you mentioned before every like, like the Ukrainian scandal and after all those scandals and countless ones, how many times did people who are politically engaged such as you and myself um, and people who are listening to this show go, isn't this the Watergate thing? Like, isn't this scandal Watergate? And even the guy who's found the, like we grabbed him by the pussy tape was like, this is my Watergate, like pussy gate. Like this is it. And it's like, no, that didn't do anything. It no. got, it got a TV anchor. I got a TV personality fired and, and then yeah. canceled. But the guy who actually said all the bad things is the president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was actually what led me to recognize, oh, so there is going to be no accountability if his party does not hold him accountable, if voters do not hold him accountable, it's, it's, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of it being very, very, very bad. Yes. And because it is on tape, we, we got, we have it, you know, and nobody cared. It did well. People cared, but not the right people cared. Yes. And um, so, yeah, it's, um, 
it's uh with respect to i did want to say before we before we go uh and the and the like you know I love how throughout the whole movie, um, there the there's accusations of partisanship. We know your editor is in for the other guy, kind of thing, you know. Of course, um, I love the the beat of uh, Red or Bob Woodward. I'm a Republican, and then Dustin <laughs> Allman just looks at him. And, the, uh, he does. I think I counted it. It's it might be quadruple take. Like like he he goes like, what, what? like it's yeah. it's it's a stuttering kind of like double take it's great yeah it's, wonderful. it's so good and uh and but but also you know you have people they and and i don't know if this is factual or if this is william goldman's great writing but you do have characters throughout the movie saying look i'm a republican and this matters to me and I, this is not i don't accept this from my party and i do want to stand up to it and i think that is the big difference you know it's it's there's morality i think that that's the that's, that's, right, the, that's, that's the bomb for me is you know and it's come up many times in the show it's like we can argue about fiscal things. We can talk about how much a budget for a military should be, but like foundational human rights and right and wrong, that shouldn't be the partisan thing. And I think that that's what like recent politicized campaigns have turned things in there. They've, they've taken the most extreme positions on certain things about just fundamental human rights to turn it into politic to politicize it. And you're like, stop, 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 stop. We're not talking about anything but foundational human rights. Like if you, if you say that, you know, people should be able to worship what they want and people, you know, black, black people should have equality. Like, you know, there should be racial equality and, 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 and there should be gender equality. And that if people want to do things that aren't hurting anyone, like who cares? Like, let's like, if, 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 if people identify at a different gender or whatever, like who cares? Like, it's like, it's not hurting anyone. It's, it's, it's a minor consideration for you. You know, like if it doesn't hurt anyone, it's fine. But all those things have been politicized and, and that's, what's, a relief in this movie it's like i'm a republican i'm leaving because i know that this is bad and you know how complicit i am or may or may not be in the case of you know stephen collins as hugh sloan it's like as a, as an example it's like they're all they all know that it's bad and the moral lines like when they all get caught they all eventually confess like yeah we did the wrong thing but it just does not seem like we're not going to get the the david cross interview with trump as an outgoing president that says revelations, I did this, I did this. Yes, it was wrong. Like that's, okay. that is just unconscionable. Like there'll be no. decades of, you know, rewriting that story to say that he was right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really not going to, it's, you're right. It's not going to happen. And, um, I think most of them are, will get away with it because frankly, uh, the Republican party has gone all in on this, this situation and yeah. uh, they are going to, and, and if let's say Joe Biden wins in a landslide, it is not disputed. So there's no room for any sort of conversation. Um, the, the Republicans are going to want to move on and the Democrats are going to let them. And that it's so hard because you know, the both sides of it, that if I never hear the phrase both sides again, it would be too soon. <laughs> I hate the both, I hate that phrase. I hate everything that it represents, but Democrats, they're too polite. We're just too polite. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, you know, that was not great, but we're moving on. We've decided to let things go. And it's like, or laws matter and rules matter and this matters you know it's just oh my and gosh i i couldn't i would hope i i mean let's you know maybe it's because i'm a fan of the godfather part two but like let's bring back senate hearings like let's just let's line them up <laughs> every one of them and just put them in front of the senate and you lied about this and this is the political malfeasance and the ethos of this movie follow the money because you I yes, guarantee you, I guarantee you that all these people who have been serving the country are going to have, there is going to be a paper trail, a, a digital footprint somewhere that shows that money has gone in and out of accounts. And, and, you know, um, one of my friends calls 2020, the year of the receipt is like, this is the year of the receipt where it's all coming back. Like it's all yeah. coming back. And you know, that Atlantic article, you know, it's funny what sticks, but I'm like, you know, one thing that Republicans Republicans can be you know, sure is that a military military strength is a huge, you know, is sort of a quintessential thing. It's not necessarily against democratic, you know, it's how you use no. the military strengths, of, of, course, course. Um, of course, which is, which is what's, um, which is what becomes partisan. 
But the bipartisan thing is military strength and people who serve the country and have a calling to do so because of how important it is, is really there. And so it's like, this is one thing that, you know, you go, well, maybe, maybe this is the thing. Maybe this is the thing. The problem is that we have to have some Republicans who are willing to uh, look at the receipts and acknowledge yeah. the receipts. Yes. It doesn't work if, if we have less than 50 uh, people who are willing to look at receipts and 51 who are not willing to look at receipts. It's yeah. just, we're, we, we built our government, we built our democracy on like rules, you know, this like <laughs> cute, cutesy little rules, not laws, just protocols. And I, I'm finding it more and more like, God, there's not a law about that. There's not a law. I mean, you know, it's, um, it's not great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's why this movie and why this project is both a deeply satisfying one and an infuriating one is because yeah. you know that there are journalists out there that are doing this and you feel that the grassroots people who aren't being represented in, in, in the media that, that have maybe voted along Republican lines before are looking at this situation too and going, this is bad. Like yeah. the, the promise of whatever progress was going to happen and, you know, clearing out the swamp and all this sort of stuff. It's like, it's just been made more swampy. Like it's yeah, just yeah, swapping. Yeah. It's just swapped corrupt politics for the mafia. Like that's ultimately like a mafiosa family. Like that's what it's, what's happened. And so um, that's why in this movie, you're like, man, you know, the journalists who have got their feet on the ground right now, and particularly those journalists who like drummed up the recent Atlantic story amongst the other million revelations that have come up from all the other hardworking journalists. It's like, which one is going to stick? And the, the tireless thing is, not one, but it's all, it's like people being ready for this particular story after countless stories about political malfeasance that we've heard, you know, from this president. Yeah. It's, um, I think, uh, I think John Oliver all, usually always says it best, but uh, he calls <laughs> yeah, he all of good. this stupid Watergate. Yeah. And it is stupid Watergate. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely, I, I recognized a lot of that when I was when I was rewatching the film, and um, you know, it, it is it's it's still poignant. And I, I I hope that I haven't become cynical. I mean, I definitely am feeling down. That's for sure on the state of everything. But- I mean, twenty everyone's the thing about twenty twenty is everyone's having it. Like it's it's like you know maybe some of those rarefied one percent you know, Jeff Bezos kind of folks are not having a 2020 because it's impossible for them to have one. But, you know, I feel like everyone's having a 2020. So I think, you know, you can all, we can all have those down moments, but I think what, what, what we're seeing is that like, no matter after setback, after setback, like you just got to get back to work. Like, you, like, and, and that's what I, I take great comfort in like these guys scribbling their notes and getting to typewriters and picking up the phone. It's like, well, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. I'm going to keep le- trying. I'm going to keep trying to get it out. I'm going to keep trying to do what I can. The legwork. I love about this movie, seeing the work. This yes. movie is in, in the way that it is shot. You're seeing so many like wides and just a small guy walking in the parking garage, you know, or, or just these, it's, you see every, oh, that beautiful shot where they're going through the library car. It's just uh. like over and over and over and over again. And, um, you see the work. And I think that that is uh, admirable and inspiring. And, um, and, and, and I also wanted to mention that I do love how this scene is, um, starts in the wide, empty newsroom and then goes into the close and it just stays, one take, that's it. Yeah. And, and as you say, the scribbling and like you, you, I feel like you can see Dustin Hoffman like, writing the words that are you know coming right back and i've certainly done that when i'm taking notes manually and somebody's talking to me and i'm going yes i hear you but i'm also like i'm looking but i'm also mechanically writing and it's um it's a great it's a great scene and uh you know i think it's a pretty good movie it's all right i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go on a record i'm gonna go on record it says pretty good i think so (laughs) clark wolf this has been a a really great chat i'm so thankful that we can make this happen please take care of yourself and while you're scribbling um those many postcards please practice um your dustin hoffman facial expressions and if you know if you if you feel like sharing them online as you do occasionally <laughs> with your impressions please do um we, we who follow you uh would appreciate it but look thanks so much for being a part of all the president's minutes um i think it's we're we're, we're a better show to have you so thank you so much thank you so much for having me it was a real treat 
That was the awesome Clark Wolf. If you want to follow her, find her on Twitter at, at Clark Wolf. And you spell Clark C L A R K E and Wolf W O L F E. So E's on the end of Clark and Wolf, and you will find her. Clark, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Guys, thank you so much for listening to an epic week, and it was all crammed in towards the end. We appreciate you very much. We have a massive week for you next week. And, you know, we we have not spoken about it yet, but I guarantee you that the recent Woodward and Trump revelations are going to be forming a big part of the topic of conversation next week at ATPM Pod to get updates at One Blake Minute on Instagram and Twitter, oneheatminute.com if you ever want to find us. Mail at One Heat Minute if you want to send us a lead. And if you have a little bit of extra scratch, there's a donation link in the description of the show. And also there is our Patreon, One Heat Minute on Patreon. Just search that, you will find us. Bonus podcast episodes, shout outs, all other things. Until next week, another big one. Stay safe, talk soon. Thank you so much for listening.